love that. Uh, <laughs> second half of the People Show coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Uh, we play that on its uh, BFF, Brett Festerling Fridays. Uh, we'll get to that in just a minute here. Former NHL Vancouver Giant and Sportsnet 650 contributor. Hear them tomorrow on the airwaves as well for the Canucks and Blue Jackets. I'll uh, get to that in just a second here. A couple of thoughts coming into the inbox because I was doing that 10-player uh, draft. There was a series between the Canucks and the Kings. Uh, this text comes in. If you word your question, who's the most important player in that series, that would most definitely be whoever plays goal for the Kings. If the Kings don't get the goaltending, that series is over before it starts. If they do get the goaltending, then the rest of the players being suggested become big factors. Well, Cam Talbot would be uh, in there. Uh but it's really just about like who impacts winning the most. And yeah, you can take it in the uh, negative version of if Talbot uh, doesn't play up to a standard, uh, does it slide for the Kings? But uh, if you're just doing a draft of, of most important players in that series, uh, lay them out. This one too. Demko, Miller, Hughes, Kopitar, Patterson, Doughty, Brock, Deneau. Someone texted in eight names. Uh, so send in two more. Uh, but let's do this exercise with Brett Festerling, who joins us now. Former NHLer, Vancouver Giant, and you'll hear him tomorrow on Sportsnet 650. Brett, how are you? Good, good. How are you doing? Uh, awesome, man. Awesome as always. Uh, so, you know, we, we were focused on the Kings and Canucks like six weeks ago. I'm like, all right, you know, Vegas, Canucks, and, and the Kings have pulled away, and it looks like you know, Pacific Division Two versus Pacific Division Three, Canucks in LA. Uh, what's that series going to look like, and how it's changed over six weeks is the Canucks are now – you know, the the first seed in the division, and the Kings are kind of hovering around wild card two. And all of a sudden, you look at that that matchup might happen just in different circumstances. But I, an exercise I like doing in, in all sports is when, when there's a matchup, kind of take out the, the the ten players you think are most important in a series or in a game, and just kind of draft them. And, and you can see maybe what team has an edge. If you're doing that between the Canucks and the Kings, uh, who are the first couple of picks for you? First couple for each team, just first couple in general? Just, just yeah, just who who impacts winning the most in that series? I'd say Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Quinn Hughes, Gamco, and Anze Kopitar. All right, so you're Kopitar over Patterson in this spot just because of uh, past histories. Yeah, I just think he's the, he's the heartbeat of that organization. Like, he, I was around when we used to play against in preseason rookie tournaments and how good he was then and then just to see what he's done and how much he means to that organization. Like, even if you take an important guy in that lineup, mm-hmm. he's looking to Kopitar in the key moments for either guidance or to calm down or to help him execute whatever it is. I think he's the – you know, it's like Ryan Getzloff if he was on the duck. Sure. Same thing. Yeah, and, and, him. And, and he's having a fantastic season, right? Not to take anything away. It's like it's 40 and 45. He's, he's been unbelievable. I would just wonder, yeah. like, at some point the youth takes over, right? And here's oh, Elias okay. Patterson coming in age 25 versus 36-year-old Anze Kopitar, and it's, it's not getting easier, right? Like the wear and tear of an 82-game season takes its toll. And at that stage, I, it, it's close between them for me. But I, I just say yeah. it at this stage, like, I, I've seen Elias Patterson in the playoffs. Okay, he hasn't won cups like uh, Kopitar has. But I, I, I do feel like this is a stop spot where a 25 year old takes over yeah i think so i think i think uh pd can have a bigger impact on the series i think on is more important to that king's team to have success right does that make sense yeah yeah absolutely it does so uh, yeah it's 
it's two different trains of thought, right? Well, who's the most important for that team to have success in terms of, I guess, firepower. And then there's another one that's just that heartbeat in the locker room. And I'm taking some of that. And I, I probably lean too much on the experience and the, the adversity in those guys' careers to get them through hard moments and really dig in and come through in the clutch. I, I like to do that, but I'm an old guy, so I hold on to that. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get into a couple of things. By the way, keep sending in your submissions, 650-650. If you're uh, doing that exercise, uh, keep them coming into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. All right, a couple things that uh, we wanted to get in, uh, a handle on over uh, what happened in the last game versus St. Louis. And we, we saw a Zadorov not play for most of the third after that th- uh, 3-1 goal. And it was kind of a gut-punch goal. Can Canucks ultimately come back, but... Um, you know, they, they, they've shown so much resiliency and they, they get that goal a minute into the period. And then here's Torpachenko scores that goal. And it just, it, it, it took the wind out of the sails a little bit. Suter gets those goals back. It, it's something we haven't really seen. And, and Zadorov was kind of singled out for that of not playing. And then uh, a little bit of extra coaching the next day at practice. Uh, so, so let's go through that. Um, where was the mistake? Was it a rotation? Was it just kind of not strong in the puck, uh, or, or, or on, on a battle, uh, versus Hayes, where did it stand out for you of, of why you know Zadorov got, got sat the rest of the way? I I think it's him not being as physical a presence as he should be, and that starts from the very first part of that play. Hayes goes in, beats Zadorov to the puck, but Zadorov turns off on the initial dumping. Mm-hmm. So it, right there. Big Z can just get his stick into Hayes and finish him into the wall and eliminate the play, and then the Canucks forward can support and pick up. That's what, how it's designed to go. So the fact that he didn't get into Hayes right away and eliminate that play at the very start, that allows Hayes to go up the wall. He turns back. Z, Z does another curl off. So this is part of the reason I'm guessing he got sat is he actually kind of makes three mistakes in this play. The initial knot hit him, soft there, goes up the wall. Hayes turns back down the wall. Z curls into the middle, which you're naturally supposed to come to the middle to protect the middle, but it's not a re-engage. It's a soft kind of turnoff. So then he loses the guy there. Now there's a mix-up between him and PD in the front. PD has to re-engage into Hayes. That's where it goes to front of that. And now Z hasn't got the stick in the air there. So there's kind of three very small. The margin of errors here mm-hmm. between last year and this year are so much smaller. He's in the right spot in all three plays. It's just details. That's all it is. Like when he when talk talked about staples, that's the staples. It's like physical stick on the ice, getting stick on puck, body in the body, lifting sticks in front, boxing out. So those are those are the three mistakes. It's just details, but it's very frustrating for a coach to have a big man that doesn't play big in certain circumstances. So I think that's probably the message going on in practice. Behind the scenes, he's got to play physical in these instances. And then when he doesn't, that's probably why he gets punished. He was also on the ice for the uh, power play goal, the Buchnevich goal. And, you know, we sit here at times and we say, hey, okay, this guy made a mistake. This guy made a mistake on this goal. And sometimes you, you do have to give credit to the opposition. And that Buchnevich goal, I thought the the Blues kind of did a great job of almost isolating him versus Thomas and I forget who was down low. I think it was Jake Neighbors. And the, just just the way the Blues set up, I thought 
pinned Zadorov in a weird spot where he couldn't really get out to challenge Thomas because Thomas had come up so high out of the zone and coming downhill, and he couldn't really get down to neighbors and, and impact the pass that comes across to Buchnevich. And so it, it looked like a goal to me that, like, hey, the, the opposition wins sometimes too. Yeah, it, it worked exactly how it's drawn up. Where the Canucks probably made the mistake is you'd rather give that chance up to the low tight guy than putting it through the through the through the uh, crease. Right. So instead of you hear, heard talk talk about Demko having to play half the net. So what that would mean is when Myers, who's in the middle, kind of tries to attack the short side, that opens that seam. He should be protecting the back door. So you're trying to not allow the guy to come to the net, but also protecting that back door, which is extremely difficult. That's why you're on the penalty kill. But Myers kind of needs to protect more of the back door and buy time for Zadorov to come back down and reattack that guy. So, yeah, you got to tip your hat to St. Louis. That's exactly what they were trying to do, and it pulled the guys out in the right spots. But if they're redoing video today or yesterday, they're saying – Myers, make sure you got the back guy. We'll give up that tight play because if Demko knows he only needs to protect that guy, he can be aggressive, be out on him, and, and make that stop. Is, is that one of the, the, the challenges of, of that diamond PK of it can get stretched a little bit? And then, you know, for me, it was, it was just almost a paralysis in that moment for a couple of guys just because it got pulled out so far. You, you have that high guy, you have the two wide guys, and it just puts so much stress there on, on Myers in that play, but just that, that low D man. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're, putting, you're creating two-on-ones where you're buying time for, that, for guys to get back. And then as soon as you get in between the rotation like they were, whether you're not facing the guy head on, you're kind of in between guys and, and playing that, then it's just you're just playing catch up. You just feel like you're chasing it around. So that's a good job by St. Louis to do it. Just for Canucks, come back, protect the back door, and let them go make the easy stuff. Uh, Suter uh, ends up getting the hat trick and uh, out of that spot, and you know he, he gets bumped up. They uh, do some line juggling there. Lotto line gets broken up. But Suter in that spot, uh, what stood out to you outside of just, hey, he scored some goals, of, of how he contributed in, in, in being open for spots? Yeah, he's just smart. He's high hockey, high hockey IQ, recognizes the, the debtor. He's very much like Besser in that area. I think he's a different player. Suter more is of a, a disher, kind of plots how the plays are going to develop, whereas Besser is just more of a pure shooter, I think. But you saw all three of those goals came from him finding those those dead spots kind of out of reach of other guys and getting lost and finishing. So I think I liked it. He, he's a very smart player. I think he's really responsible. You saw that with Besser and Miller. He he can – part of the reason the lotto line is so successful, in my opinion, is because Petey's so smart on the D side. He can contribute offensively, but it's very smart in recognizing – where he needs to be defensively. And I think Studer can fill that gap. He's pretty good at that. So then mixing that intelligence with those two good players, he doesn't look out of place at all, really, or he didn't, definitely did not the other night. He can fit, and we, we saw it briefly before. I, I do worry if there's enough speed on that line. Yeah, 100%. Like, Brock's not the fastest, very smart, makes up for it with his intelligence. Um, like, Miller's pretty fast, but, you know, it's, the, the game he plays is just you're going to get worn down. Right. He's, he's right? almost like heavy fast, right? Like he, he gets going yeah. and it's, it's it's tough to slow down, obviously, but it, it, it's not like pure burner fast. 
Yeah, like the old Cadillac kind of thing. Once he's going, <laughs> it's really hard to stop. Right? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think you're right. That could probably use some more speed. And then and then at times on the other line, if you go PD Kuzmenko and Mikheyev, sometimes maybe Kuzmenko or Mikheyev can get too far ahead. And, and so it's just finding a balance there, I guess. Did you uh, l- like the fact that they uh, broke up the lotto line? No, I hated it. <laughs> I, I I mean, I don't know. I, I get what they're trying to see. They're trying to see other options, especially if they're going to make a move here, what works, what doesn't, and and try to add more depth to that top line where it's not so dependent, I guess. But I really do like those guys together. And then when you get Hughes and, and uh, Hronik out there, the five of them together is so special. It's hard to beat. But I, I get what they're – you're playing the depth game. It is how can we spread this out a little bit better and have more of that that Vegas model, as everybody's calling it now, where you get constant pressure, kind of for you know everybody's playing 15 to 20 minutes a night, which is probably a better way to go for a sustained run. So come playoff time, uh, you know, pending what transaction they do over the next uh, handful of weeks here, uh, you know, the expectation would be is that line gets broken up. So if, if you're building a target, you're more focused on acquiring someone that keeps that line together? I mean, I, I would like that in a perfect world. I don't know what that does. I guess you're trying to find a second liner that can drive plays mm-hmm. and be creative enough, but I, yeah, that's so tough. That's so. I mean, if you can put PD with a legit another guy that can drive plays, I guess in the way that Miller and Besser work together, I don't think PD has that level of um, you know, sync with those two guys. If he can get that, I think you're you're going to be very tough to beat. How that mixes the other lines up, I don't know, because I think the third line and fourth line have played unbelievable, and I'm impressed with that whole thing, so I don't know how you screw that up without just moving one of the second line guys, to be honest. Right. So it, it didn't really have anything to do with the fact that they were uh, on this great point streak and, and, and hadn't lost in regulation and, <laughs> and, and, and breaking that up. It, it's more about the functionality of the line. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I got to guess. So I, I don't know why they'd mess with it in that point. I wouldn't have, but... Well, they hadn't scored, Brett. Of... They hadn't scored since Columbus. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I just feel like they're so good and you're winning. It's hard to mix up. I guess you want goals, so I, yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just I hate messing with a winning thing. Hey, do you take anything out of the Pedersen and uh, Tockett stuff? I, I, I was just, I, 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 I kind of laughed about it uh, more than anything. No, I think that's what's good about Tockett. He's kind of just honest and tells you what he's thinking. I, I think it's been blown out of proportion of what he was actually saying. Right. I think if you look, if you watch the game, Petey did have probably four or five bad turnovers and didn't have his best game. I think Petey will be the first one to tell you that, even though he had some pretty remarkable plays as well. But, I don't know. It's just them getting better. It's nothing to, you know, I think talk, Talks took a lot of pride in, in being honest with those guys, and I think those guys have appreciated that. So I don't think it's anything to worry about. Um, you, you mentioned just them winning and everything like that and, and how, like, the focus changes. One thing that really stood out to me last night uh, over at the uh, Dyson Ice Gala was, and we, we talked to a multiple players, and we talked to Rick Tockett at the very end, but it was just so funny. We've kind of heard this before, but just in the the moment where, like, hey, you're, you're a bit more chilled out, right? It's not after a game, the nerves are going, he just spoke about everything. Yeah. You know, some of the, the players 
used almost the exact same language person to person when talking about what's to come and what they have to do. And, you know, we've heard natural, you know, player service, uh, uh, lip service. I'll be like, hey, you know, the the, the, the cliches. But the, the yeah. way it came across yesterday felt far more genuine and, you know, being able to see it in their eyes and, and, and just them light up about it. The, the, like, how important is that of a team that's winning and like the, the focus that they're on this common goal and almost staying grounded uh, through the success? Yes, it's so important. And it goes back to exactly what we're saying with a clear message from talk it and honesty. I think that just proves that they've had a clear and concise message from the get go and good coaches mix the, those terminal, that terminology and the kind of models and goals into all their meetings, into videos, into, you know, they might have a, a month goal and then a road trip goal. And then you just see where those fit into it all. And then one guy's had success in that. It just becomes automatic. They kind of get programmed. I mean, even us, like how many times have you said protect the guts and <laughs> staples in yeah. the last, you know what I mean? But yeah. that goes into their philosophies and what they're trying to do. And they hear that in practice and on the iPads and, you know, on, in the reviews. So it's exactly what it is. I think that just shows that the coaching staff has been so good at, you know, articulating their message and what they want to do as a group. Uh, Brett, we appreciate it as always. We'll talk soon. Appreciate it. See you tomorrow. Brett Vesseling uh, on the airwaves tomorrow with Brendan Batchelor uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets and Vancouver Canucks game. Uh, we'll have pregame show Sat and Dan uh, at 6 o'clock and then – Myself and Sat on the intermissions and post game against Columbus. Uh, so let's get to it. Our guys' name and dudes. It's Columbus Blue Jackets. Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, we love doing this on Fridays. Send you off into the weekend. Just, just going down memory lane of uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. I feel like we may have done Blue Jackets before, but I can't remember. It, it might just be that I just happen to have David Vaborny on my mind too much. I, I don't know. Nick, I'm thinking about Rafi Torres all day. <laughs> he's just he's just front of mind for you all the time. I can't stop thinking about Anson Carter. <laughs> Anson Carter. Well, he's on TV sometimes. Maybe that's why. Here we see him. Uh, so 650, 650. Uh, when you think of uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, who stays in your mind? Chris Russell had a long run there, blocked a lot of shots in Columbus. Let's see if I can bring up some stats of how many shots... Chris Russell blocked while in Columbus. 365 in 288 games. Not bad. That's a lot. That's a lot of puck. He's not random, but I always think of Christian Husalius. When I think of Columbus. Good shout. Good shout. He's who I think of. Him and uh, RJ Umberger. Yeah. I mean, do we say former Canuck? We can't. I don't know. Not really a former Canuck. Husalius, also that little run in uh, Calgary. Uh, 650, 650. Gilbert Brule, good shout there too. Good shout. For talking former Canucks, can we say Curtis Sanford? Sure. Jeff Sanderson. Current Canuck Adam Foot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, little run there. Uh, all right, here come the texts. Here come the texts. Oh, it, it, look, if you can get a former Canuck in there as well, uh, I, I think it goes up the uh, the pecking order. Mike Pekka. Ooh. Good pull. That is a good pull Deep. in the inbox. Let's put it in work. 
Uh, this one. Um, Scott Lachance? Tom Sestito played three you games You know what? For Scott Columbus. Lachance? That's a great pull. Not a lot of games there. Sorry, Tom Sestito? There you go. Well, we're getting the... I didn't realize the, the Columbus to Vancouver train was, was so full here. It's like TTR here. You get that... Uh, card the, the route from the, the columbus to vancouver correct mike commodore all the text coming in uh manny yeah manny maholtra samuel paulson oh man there's a ton of former canucks crushing it right now. none of them were that good but <laughs> they they played some games they, they played some games samuel paulson uh this one espen knutson oh espen Knutson. Good one. Uh, Jeff Carter, half-season jackets legend. Oh, Eric Goodbranson. Man, the, the Canucks to Columbus one. This might be a secret rivalry that we just don't give enough respect to. almost feel the full lineup here. Yeah. What a team that would be. UC Jokinen, Thomas Vanek, Mike Sillinger, all of them coming in right now. Ooh, Zach Dalpy. I, I, I want to see a Columbus-Vancouver Stanley Cup final now. The, the guests that we would book in this show for that one. Out of control. Uh, this one. Uh, 650-650. Zherdev coming in. Thomas Vanek. Did we say Vanek already? I don't know. Derek Dorsett. Guys, we, we've, we've come up with a whole team here. It's unbelievable stretch here. Andrew Castles would have been one. Not a former Canuck, but I always thought Nick Holden was going to be a lot better than he was. Nick Holden. Yeah, my uh, I got a Nick Holden story. I lost a fantasy championship finals once. We have deep rosters. And I had Nick Holden on my roster for like way too long, for like four days, and uh, it's a joke in our fantasy league. It's like, really, Nick Holden? That was the that was the guy you uh, went to bat for in the finals. Uh, all right, good stuff. Trevor Latowski, Tyler Mott. Oh man, we're out of control in this inbox right now. Uh, Jono, did you just make a ticket to ride reference? I sure did. TTR fans, we stick together. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Good stuff in the inbox today. Good stuff all week. Hey, I'm away for a week. I take an all-star break off. So, uh, on the people's show, I won't be back till, uh, February 6th. So I'm away back tomorrow though, on the uh, game broadcast. Who's hosting? Is it You're back for Super Bowl week? Yeah. I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking uh conference uh, championship, uh, reviews off. Uh, but I'll be back for uh, Super Bowl week uh, on that Tuesday with Yannick and Schofield. But that's that's February 6th. So we've got a long way to go uh, till then. I think it's Josh running the show for the next week. Plus Elon, plus Ben, plus Victor, everyone else that's around here. So uh, I'll be away for a bit. Uh, back soon. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw on the way. Yannick Hansen will join him. Plus it's the Friday mailbag all coming up here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.